Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Good morning. Good to have you. Um, we endeavor at Greenhouse to follow along the liturgical church calendar, which is um, the way that the church has told time for generations. And each year, you sort of circle back and tell the same stories and embody it in different ways. And so we have Advent, which is a season of waiting and expectation in the lead up to Christmas. We have Lent, which is a season of prayer and fasting in the lead up to Easter. We've got the time between Easter and Pentecost. Pentecost was last Sunday. That's called Easter Tired. Pentecost, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then historically, the week after Easter is Trinity Sunday. And uh, Trinity is a really interesting concept. Show of hands, this is not a rhetorical question. Who in general knows like the concept of the Trinity? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you sort of heard of that. Anyone understand the concept of the Trinity? No hands, no hands, a, a half hand, you know. Um, we find ourselves there the problem, right? Because most church traditions, all church traditions, most theologians would agree that our understanding of the Trinity is what actually makes you a Christian. If you don't believe in the Trinity, then really you're not a Christian. Yet, we don't even find the word Trinity in the Bible. We think it's a key understanding of how to like, understand and interact with God, and yet it's incredibly hard to get our heads around because the maths doesn't add up. Three doesn't equal one. One doesn't equal three. It just doesn't really make sense. It's hard to get your head around. There's a lot of mystery in the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, one person once said, deny the doctrine of the Trinity and you'll lose your soul. Try to understand it and you'll lose your mind. And that's kind of where we sit in, like the tension between those two things, that it's really incredibly important to how we understand God, yet it's really, really hard to understand. There is a deep mystery in that. And so over the next 15 minutes, I'm going to try and hack my way through helping us understand a little bit more of the Trinity and condensing 400 years of church history. But I just want to understand, how did we get here? For a, for a word that's not even written in the Bible, how did we get to the point where we think the Trinity is one of the most th- important things to understand and know about the Christian faith? So the earliest Christian followers were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. He grew up in the Judaistic faith. He was a Jewish rabbi. He taught the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures. And... Um, He was steeped in that understanding, and most of the early followers of Jesus for the first little while were um, some sort of Jew. They were either ethnically Jew or they were sort of um, became Jews. They were Greeks that became Jews, and they were living in different cities. And that was like for the little first part of church history, that was the most kind of Christians were Jewish. And the Jews were very staunchly monotheistic. Mono means one, theist means God. So they believed in one God. And they lived in a society in Greco-Roman that was polytheistic. There was all different gods. There's all the Greek gods, Zeus and Athena and all, all of them. And so there was this very strong bent for Jews to believe that we have one God. In fact, Jews would pray mostly three times a day. They would pray a thing called the Shema, which is found in Deuteronomy. And they would pray every day three times. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's like drilled into them. And so the earliest followers of Jesus begin to follow Jesus and declare that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King, not just of Israel, but of the whole world. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. And so they're calling Jesus Lord. And so you've got this like interesting thing going on here. It's like, who is Jesus exactly? And then at the same time, there's Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and there is just this incredible manifestation of God at work through the Holy Spirit, through people. There's you know, lots of people coming to faith, people speaking in tongues, there's miracles happening, there's all sorts of stuff happening. And so all these three things are happening for early followers of Jesus. They believe in one God, they believe that Jesus is Lord, and they are recognizing the Holy Spirit at work in their life. And so over the next kind of 400 years, the church is kind of wrestling with how do we put all these things together. And there was a really important moment in church history. It's called the Council of Nicaea. It was in 325 AD, so 300 years after Jesus. And they brought together all these thinkers, all these pastors, church planters, small group leaders, bishops, theologians, to come together and really nut out what we believe about this thing. Because there's all sorts of different ideas floating around. And um, they came and they walked through the Scriptures And they started in Genesis chapter 1. We're just going to run through a bunch of scriptures here. I just want to give you a brief overview around what the Bible says about the Trinity. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. It was made a couple hundred years later by a guy called uh, Tertullian. But we see it all through the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. That word God in the Hebrew is Elohim which interestingly enough is a plural word. Elohim is a plural word. It means kind of God's. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So right in the beginning of the story, we have God, We have the Spirit hovering over the waters, and then we have God's Word. Let there be light, and God's work does action. It creates things. And then we go down to verse 26. Then God said, this is in the same chapter, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Isn't that a weird sentence? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. This is God speaking. And he says, our, us. There's this collective uh, words used to describe himself. And then um, if you go all the way to John chapter 1, John is a disciple of Jesus and he is mapping on back onto this verse. And he writes this, in the beginning, same words, in the beginning the word already existed. So he's talking about the words that God was speaking and things were creating. Let there be light and, and there was light. In the beginning the word already existed, the word was with God and the word was God. So the word is somehow part of God. And then Verse 2, he says, he existed in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and he existed. So the Word is a him, a person. Interesting. We go on to Matthew chapter 3. This is Jesus' baptism. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Right in this moment, we see the Trinity at work. We see Jesus getting baptized. We see the Spirit of God coming down. And we see the Father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. John chapter 10, verse 30. 
says, the Father and I are one. This is Jesus speaking. The Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. That is a very profound statement. And then John chapter 14, it's full of it. You can read the whole chapter. Are you, are you sticking with me this morning? You here? There's a lot of, lot of things going on. John chapter 14, uh, verse 16 and 17 says, uh, and I'll ask the Father, Jesus speaking again, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. So Jesus is speaking to the Father. He's going to give you someone else. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So we have the Son, the Father, Holy Spirit. It goes on uh, later in that chapter, verse 23. Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. So Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, My Father and I, we will make our home in you. It's that collective language again, like we see in Genesis. Uh, the next one, verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Notice again, when the Father sends the advocate, he will be my representative. You see this like collective language going on. It's all kind of mixed up and muddled into one. The Father and I are one. The Father's going to send it, but he's my representative. There's a collective thing happening here. Then Matthew chapter 28. Jesus is speaking to disciples. He's risen from the dead. And he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have the Trinity right there. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Also notice, it says, baptize them in the name, not the names. The name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then Paul, this is all written all over Paul, but this is just one quote from him, from Colossians 2.9. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. And so the early followers of Jesus are wrestling with all these different data points. They believe in one God, and yet now they follow Jesus as Lord, and they realize the Holy Spirit is at work in amongst them. And they're trying to make sense of how all this fits together, the mystery of how all this works together. There are a bunch of ideas going around um, over, over time. There's modalism, which basically says that God shows up in different modes, wears different masks at different times, that God is just one God, but he just shows up as Jesus in this, in this moment or shows up as a spirit in this moment. There's another idea called Arianism, which is basically the idea that Jesus was created by God. He didn't exist at the beginning, like Genesis says, but he was created by God. And then there's tritheists who just think we've got three gods on our hands. We've got the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. We're not monotheists anymore. We just believe in three gods. And so the early church is trying to wrestle with all these different ideas and work out what to do with them. And so the first couple of hundred years of Christianity, the church is exploding, goes from 120 people at, at Pentecost to millions of people, the dominant, the dominant religion in the Roman Empire goes all through the known world. And so all these different people, we're starting to like, everything's spreading out. We're not like, uh, we're not speaking to each other as much. And so there's all these different ideas. And so they call this council, the Council of Nicaea. They get all the big hitters, all the pastors together. And they're going to go, they say, we're going to nut this thing out. There's a bunch of other councils as well later on. But for our um, hacking of the Trinity this morning, we're just going to focus on this one. And they get this thing. They, they come together make sense of all those scriptures, make sense of all the experiences, what everyone's saying, and they write this. It's called the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, it says. One God. It's a monotheism. 
the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages. Notice this, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. They're trying to make it very clear that Jesus and God are the same, the same essence. Begotten, not made. That's a really important little phrase there. We don't use the word begotten much, but to beget someone is to give birth to them. So Milo is my begotten son. Um, Not forgotten, begotten. And uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this and he says, when we make something, it's not human. Like if you make a pie, pie is not a human. But if you beget something, it is human. And so he's saying the difference is that Jesus wasn't created by God, but Jesus came out of God. He was, he was begotten. Uh, begotten, not made of the same essence as the Father. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and he was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, according to the Scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and Son. Notice that word proceeds, comes out of. With the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. So we worship the Holy Spirit alongside the Father and the Son. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic, which means universal and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. I know it's a lot of information and a lot of words that we don't always use. But they're trying to get really clear clear about this idea of three in one. We believe in God Almighty. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Three in one of the same essence. Um, Lewis wrote this. He said, if Christianity was something we were making up, of course we would make it easier. Anyone can be simple if he doesn't have any facts to bother about. And this is just the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity is the best way to make sense of all the facts that we find in the scriptures and the experience of the church. And so we've got this image here. This is an image that's trying to sort of describe the Trinity You notice here, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. So all three persons of the Trinity are God, yet they are not one another. And um, there's this beautiful phrase that uh, the early church used to describe this called perichoresis which is a word that translates like choreography, this dance, this community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this divine dance. For most Christians, the Trinity is just a kind of an exercise in theological gymnastics, trying to understand a complex little scenario here. But we miss what this really means for us. We miss the implications of what this actually means means. If this is true, if this is true, at the center of the universe is relationship. At the center of everything is the communal God. Out of everything came, everything came from relationship. 
Everything was created from relationship. Tertullian says this, God is one, but God is not alone. You think about that thought. God is one, but God is not alone. That is very, very profound to think that even before everything was created, God was not lonely. God was in community. And out of that love, we talk about God is love, right? And you can't be love. You can't be love in your essence unless you are in community. Like love is something that shows up between people. It's, it's an action. Dallas Willard says, loving is willing the good of the other. And so we see right at the very center of the Christian faith is this idea that God is love because God is community. This self-giving love between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the divine dance. And there's something so profound and so beautiful that we are created in the image of that relationship. And it makes sense, right? When, when Adam, humankind, Adam means man, mankind, human. When human was created in the image of God, we see in the poem, the first uh, chapter of, of um, the Bible in Genesis 1, all these things, God creates all these things. There's light and there's dark and there's sea and there's land and there's animals and there's fish. All these things he calls good. It was good. It was good. And the only thing in that whole chapter that is not good was Adam being alone. Because we were created in the image of community. We were created by community for community. We were created to be communal beings. And it makes sense when you think about your own life and the hardest moments of your life, the biggest struggles, the greatest grief, I can guarantee you almost always comes from relationship, right? Our, our deepest trauma is because a relationship went wrong. And on the other hand of that, our deepest joy, our deepest healing also comes from people and relationships because we were created for relationship. Is one of the core parts of who we are as made in the image of God. We were made for community. The divine dance. The son gives to the father. The father gives to the son. The Holy Spirit comes. He gives glory to the son. He gives glory to the father. At the center of the universe is relationship. And that divine dance is not a closed one. It is one where we are invited in. Invited into the community of God. You think about Jesus saying in Matthew 28, go for, make disciples, baptizing them, which means immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, getting immersed in the community, Trinitarian nature of God. At the center of the universe is relationship. That is the image that we are made in. This is our God. That's what we believe. Created by community, created for community, invited into community, to invite others into community. At the center of the universe is relationship. And you... My friends, you are invited into that. And as a church, we get to bumble our way through living up to the image of God, a divine community that welcomes in the other, that always has space. Is that cool? Would you stand? I'd love for you just to close your eyes. If you feel comfortable, you can open up your hands in front of you as a sign of receptivity. I just would love to take a few moments of silence to let the reality of that sink in. Regardless of how you're feeling right now, how chaotic life is, whether you're feeling like you're on the outside of the circle, you're feeling like you're lonely, 
regardless of whether you're married or single or young or old or divorced, you are welcomed into the Trinitarian community of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come right now and you would begin to show us the truth of that reality. May the truth of the divine dance sink in a little bit today. We know that it's a mystery. We'll never fully understand it. We will never be able to wrap our heads fully around it. But I pray that we catch a glimpse of this truth today. We thank you so much, Jesus, you came and you died and you rose again and you sent the Spirit in order to invite us in. Here, in June, in 2023, in Long Jetty, the message goes out and continues to invite us into the community of God. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we worship you. We just want to give you just a little bit of space to come and to minister.